1: Andrew Gilmore, any idea what happened with Emmett Mosley, legacy four star wide receiver? Did we cool on him or did he really like Stanford better? He just never showed a lot of interest in Notre Dame. Notre Dame liked him. I, I, they cooled on him
2: because he cooled on them, basically. Gotcha. Like it was one of those things where they liked him, they wanted him, but it can't got to the point in time where like this kid just doesn't have any interest in us and we got to move on. Is what it's to come down to. Yeah. And, and sometimes got, you got to make those decisions. Right. I mean, it's right. He just know, wanted to blaze his own yeah. trail, not follow his mom and dad's footsteps, which is totally fine. I mean, it's his life. I'm totally good with that. Sure. But uh, no, he, he liked Stanford better than Notre Dame. Yes. I mean, he did. That's why he's going there. If, if he wanted to go to Notre Dame, he'd be in the class and they they would have taken him. He would have been in the class.
1: Irish Mills five foe zero. Two things, Brian. I'm about to purchase the sweatpants just because of how comfortable you said they were. Smart move. Yeah, I've got a pair and I wear them out in the winter time. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. Number two, how does the tight end room look this year without a dominant go-to weapon like Michael Mayer?
2: You know, we kind of talked a little bit about this sure. earlier. I mean, how does it look? It looks like a, a group that's going to be like we said to be more of a complementary unit. Yep where they are not the dominant force. They are a piece of the puzzle.
1: Right. An important piece, I will say. Yes, very important piece,
2: where this team may be more receiver-driven or running back-driven or other parts of the offense are more, that's your group. you know. But you're going to need this group to be productive. You're going to need this group to play at a high level. And there will be times this year when the tight ends are going to step up in a game and take it over. Sure. And help you win, you know, where a team is going to say we're not letting Tobias and Jaden Thomas beat us. We're not going to let Tobias and Chris Tyree or Jaden Thomas, Chris Tyree or Dion Colsey and Jay, whatever, some combination. They're not going to do that. And we're also going to make sure we key on the run game. So we're going to we're going to say, hey, we're going to leave our six foot safety matched up against your tight ends because we don't think that tight end can beat us. And then that in game, Mitchell Evans or Holden Stace or Eli Renner or somebody or, or them as a unit are going to say, cool bet we got this and go make play i mean that, that's good they're going to need to do that this year it could be a thing where the, top, the receivers aren't playing well it happens vince
1: yeah for sure i mean
2: you look at the clemson receivers as good as they were in 2019 they got flat dominated by ohio state secondary so somebody's got to step up and win that game so in that particular game it was trevor lawrence as a runner i mean that's that's what it was, right? I mean, it was it was Trevor Lawrence stepped up. I think he ran for 100 yards that game, if I remember correctly, Vince. Um, let me see here. Let me find that box score. I believe Trevor right? – yeah, he ran for 107 yards. And Justin Ross had six catches for 47 yards. T. Higgins had four catches for 33 yards. Hmm. So guess who stepped up in that game? And, and and Ohio State was dominating Clemson at the, at yes, the were. point of attack. And, and Travis Etienne could get nothing going in the run game. 36 carries for 10 touchdowns. So you know what happens? Trevor Lawrence uses his legs to make plays, has a 67-yard run, runs for 107 yards. And Travis Etienne has three catches for 98 yards and two touchdowns. Right? That was a team with dominant wide receivers and a first number one overall draft pick throwing the football. In his second year, he just won a title. Yeah. And they shut down your wide receivers. Beat your receivers up. So guess what? Other people had to step up. Travis Etienne had to be that dude that day in the pass game. There will be a game like that where your tight ends got to step up and do for your offense what Travis Etienne mm-hmm. did for the Clemson offense. And they're going to need to do that. And if they're an afterthought in your offense throughout the year, then that's they're gonna not going to be able to step up and be do difficult.
1: that. Yeah, exactly. Right.
2: So um, it, it'll look like that. Complimentary role that occasionally they're going to step up and be that, those dudes. That's that's what I think we're going to see from the tight ends this year. Fair, events? I mean, yeah, so- no,
1: absolutely. I, that's, I think they're going to be a, a very important piece, right? But it's if anybody's expecting the tight end room to look like Michael Mayer, that that's just that's unrealistic. That's not who this group needs to be, and that's not how this group can be the most effective in this offense either, because you have to play to the strengths of this group, and you have to play to the strengths of this offense. And if you think the tight ends aren't going to be an important piece of this offense, then you're not doing the offense the way it needs to be done. You know what I mean? Like, it, and and I don't see that being the case. I'm not saying Jared Parker is going to just forget about the fact that the tight ends exist, but if he wants this offense to be as dynamic and, you know, score as many points as they want to, and all of those different things, the tight ends are going to have to be involved and they're going to have to be an important right. piece of the puzzle. No doubt about it. They're just not going to be the focal point of the offense, nor would I want them to be, right. in, you know, with the way they, they are right now. Irish Gordian, not based on what you have seen from Irish media this summer. Are you optimistic that they will finally bring it a little more this season? It seems that they there has been an uptick in published videos. Oh, OK, I get the question
2: now. Yeah, he's not talking about like our competitors. Right, or the right, right, right. That That's do, what I thought at yeah. first. I was like, what do you yeah. mean they're going to bring it? Yeah, you know. I hope so. Uh, the Thames are uh, going to
1: bring it this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're stepping up. Yeah.
2: um Yeah, because I was like, I don't read anybody else. So I don't. Right, know. right. Um, but, yeah, the Notre Dame media, I hope so. I don't know that I would say that there's necessarily been an uptick. I think recently there's been an uptick because Notre Dame made their media swing through New York. So there's a lot of stuff from that. Right. Of course, but I think we've seen like what three workout videos from the summer. Yeah, there hasn't that's been it. that many
1: um, right? that I've noticed anyway. Yeah.
2: So, I, you know, I, I don't know that I would say they necessarily are doing more. I felt like we saw, you know, a lot of those in the past. I hope so. I, I just I don't have a lot of. Here's the thing that frustrates me. So since June 29th to now, July 22nd, they've done four workout videos. Right. The other stuff was like the stuff in New York, which was literally a media day. That was what it was designed to do. Everything sure. else is like pictures of the workout warriors and stuff like that. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I'm hopeful.
1: Yeah. Um, They've got the people to do yeah. it. They've got the content to do it. They just need yeah. to do it. I yeah. It's it
2: just make it a priority. I mean, and it could be, there's a lot of different ways to do it. If I was in charge, I would have, like I said before, I'd have a video from each practice I would have a mic'd up guy. I'd have it once sure. I mean, you got 25 practices. I'd have each coach mic'd up at least once. Yeah. Right. Probably, and, you know, your 10 assistants. Plus I'd have a couple with Marcus Freeman. I would have, you know, your, your minute long to 90 second long highlight videos. And then from each practice I'd put out like, just like, like i play or something like that. Or like, look at this great grab. Like if, if a receiver has this sick one handed catch or a, Line, a defensive back makes a sick play or something like that or your running back just juke somebody out of their clothes or something like that like i'd put that clip out there and just sure. promote that because again you don't you're not seeing what the play is you're right. not saying they lined up it's and just this an individual motion this the yeah. defense. you may just show like as this ball snapped and you're from a real close-up view where you're not giving anything away oh gee jadarian price can juke people ohio state now knows our game plan you know what i mean like it's not it's not that. And what you're doing is you're just promoting your team. Look, it's all about recruiting for yep. number one. And number two, yep. it's about, you know, give a rip about your fans.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, you know, fans aren't excited about this because you don't, there's nothing there. I mean, you don't have a media day with us. Right, which you know kind of bothers me a little bit. Like, you don't have a media day like we used, used to have, to where they we do get to anymore. be there and do yeah. all these type of things. We get like each coach one day. Okay, fine, great, that's fine. You know, it is what it is. You don't want to, you don't think we, we matter enough to do a media day with us. So, you're going to go to New York with a bunch of people that don't cover you every day because that gets you on a bigger spotlight. Okay, whatever. We, we know we don't care to y'all. It is what it is. So, if you're not going to let us get all that kind of content because we can't be, you know, doing all that kind of stuff, then, then you do it but that is kind of one of the good things about the the amount of practices we get to be at is because sure. people in our job will be putting out the little highlights from those practices and things like that too. So, you know, we will see some of that. Uh, but yeah, I just, I, I think it, it's great for recruiting. It's it's great to fans. Sure. It helps build excitement about the season. It's all that kind of stuff. And it just gets you good PR. And when you're out there and you're being seen and you're being, you know, and and to me, it's like, you're wasting an incredibly personable coach by not having more of those things with him and some of these other coaches like sure. you know let that people see coach Stucky and let people see coach McCullough and coach Rudolph and you know and coach Mickens and these kind of guys in those mic'd up videos with the the fun that like Cincinnati did dealing with Gino Gadulli that was really cool right when he you remember that Vince when he first got hired we all saw that video it was like you know, he was mic'd up all day and I and mean, you could edit it out to me. It's not like of you, course. You, know, you put up every second of it, you know, that right. You know, right. It's like you
1: had the conversation when he talks to a recruit and like yeah. all these different
2: things. Like, no. Or you know, yelling at somebody, right. you know, for not doing something right. You can
1: you can frame you know, it anyway. All that you stuff want. is cool. All yes. that stuff is cool. And well, and yeah. I'll even would, take it a step further. Notre Dame has their own fighting, fighting Irish media, right? And that's that's their in house deal. They don't do enough with the other sports either. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, they don't do enough with football, but they don't do enough with the other varsity yeah. sports that they have, and and they need to be doing way more of that too. And it can also be something that's a great
2: part of it's a part of your academic situation. You have students absolutely. that want to get into this that are that you're yes. responsible for this team, you're responsible for that team, kind of like the observer and stuff. You know what I mean? Right. Like
1: absolutely, it's great learning there, opportunity. There, there's easy ways to do this, and I just don't think yeah. that they're taking advantage of the situation that they have because Fighting Irish media is. They got some pretty nice digs over there yeah. uh connected to the stadium and I just don't think that they're using them enough personally. Yeah. Coleman Smith, confidence level, Notre Dame will land KVA tomorrow and and flipping Caleb Beasley. I don't have a lot of confidence
2: in either of them at this point in time. Uh, with K- Kingston it's just it's such an unknown. No nobody knows what he's doing. Yeah. Not- Notre Dame has not been told. I'm pretty sure Ohio State hasn't been told. He's supposed to commit tomorrow. Yeah. And as far as I know, he hasn't told anybody what he's doing. That tells me that either A, he's keeping this quiet. He's made his decision. He doesn't want it to leak out because he knows. Look, the smart kids know. You tell the coaches that you're going. They're going to go it's call their leak. buddies in the media, yeah. and they're going to they're going to put it out there. And then 87 crystal balls go out, and everybody knows where you're going.
4: <laughs> right. You know what I mean?
2: Right. So um, that's just the reality. He may not want that out. Or – Option two is he really genuinely has not made the ultimate decision yet, or he thinks he has, but he's not feeling great about it, right? So he doesn't want to necessarily call and tell the coach, Hey, I'm not coming when he may decide that next day he's waking up. Because, like, I don't think Manti told people where he was going. I mean, everybody thought it was going to be USC, but I don't remember that Manti had called the Nurem coaches and said it was Notre Dame. it wasn't going to be. the I way remember. I
1: remember it is the coaches were just as surprised as everybody else. Right, but it's that's not like I remember called, it. it. It's
2: not like he called them the night before and said, "I'm right, I'm going to us." I don't think it. It might have. I don't remember it, but I, don't I thought. think it did
1: either. Yeah, but yeah. So
2: I have to go back and watch that video that they did on him, that which just was really well done. The, yeah. the one on uh, what was what's the, who does that? Is it Netflix? Netflix. Netflix? I think so. The Untold or whatever it is, yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. They do really good stuff. Yep. So anyway, that's that's kind of where I. uh, You want to answer the second part? Yeah, Uh, same. I mean, look, if he he visits for the Ohio State game, like he said he was going to, then I'll feel good about it. If he doesn't, then they're not going to flip him. I mean, and so we won't really have an idea until then. So right now he's committed to Tennessee. I think they got a shot to flip him. Do I think, am I as confident now as I was a month ago? No, I'm not. I'm not, but they're still working. But, uh, you know, we'll find out about Kingston. I still don't know if we're doing a show or not tomorrow. I mean, we may just have to do one just anyway, and then we talk about it one way or the other. I just I don't know how we're going to handle that one, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see, we'll see. All right, here do we know what time out. he's committing tomorrow. Mm-mm, I have to go look. Okay, I, I don't didn't know, know if i like my time head. yet. All right, yeah. it's
1: curious. No big. deal. I think he
2: does. I think he has a time. I just don't know. that okay. he's already done it yet. Gotcha. This is going to first of all, since he's on your team now, Archer. Let's get this straight. It's not Lorenzo Styles Junior. He's not a junior. He's got a, I believe, a different middle name. It's kind of like Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders. kid was not Barry Sanders Jr. It was Barry Sanders. He had a different middle name, so it's not Lorenzo Styles Jr. So, and that's his mom told me that. So, I, I think I, that's a pretty credible source. I would trust that source as
1: well, yeah. for sure.
2: The person so, who you know gave him the name.
1: Yeah. You know? Right. Exactly. Signed the birth yeah. certificate. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So uh, Archer says uh, Lorenzo Styles said he transferred. To Ohio State because he's, quote, trying to be one of the best players in the country, unquote. Do you think he has the ability, both physically and mentally, to be that?
2: Yes on the first, no on the second. The fact that he made this comment, (laughs) you know, is like, why? no, no, he doesn't. No, I I, I very much question if he has the attitude to be a great player. He's going to have to be at Ohio State a different person than he was at Notre Dame from a work ethic and an attitude standpoint. And Notre Dame tried to force feed him. This is why I get frustrated when I hear things about, you know, how he felt about certain things. It's like they tried to force feed the ball to you last year and you didn't step up and make
1: play. Yeah. Right. I mean, so he was fighting the football before, and that's yeah. mental. That's an all mental side yep. of things. And then he checked out and left. So yeah. it is what it is. I got yeah. no ill
2: will towards him, but no, I also all. am glad that, I mean, I'm not, I'm not. Gee, I wish Lorenzo was still here.
1: I'm like, best of luck to you. Peace out. And I was a big Lorenzo Styles fan, man. I was same, yeah. Same. I was a same. huge Lorenzo Styles fan, but it just it took a turn, and it wasn't yep. going to course correct at Notre just, Dame.
2: Whenever I think of him, I just have that Mike Singletary. Can't do it. Can't win with him. Can't do it. I just, that's just how I feel. You know what I mean? Just that's just how I feel about it. Oh, that's great. But physically, yes, he's got the chance, the talent to
1: be a really good football player. There's no doubting that. Oh, he's got the talent. Absolutely. He wouldn't have played as a true freshman. You know, I mean, yes, there was some issues, but yes, as well as. And then that opened up everything for like, man, this guy's going to be good. You know, Yep. so Gregory Perez with a super chat. Thanks, Gregory. Really appreciate it. He says, what is your best advice for someone who wants to do what you guys do? Uh, best advice to me is to find a way to do
2: it. I mean, this, this is going to sound silly, but right, but find a way to do it. Even if that means working for free, the first article I ever wrote a cover Notre Dame, I did for free because it was like, you know, I did it really kind of for fun. And then the guy that, that I did it for uh, started paying me for it. And mm-hmm. so I was doing like film breakdowns, paying me for it. Then I started doing like these like 25 word document pages long of breakdowns where I'd break down every player on every play and I'd start getting paid for it then eventually that led to a full-time job. And then that full-time job led to an even better full-time job with an even better company and better all this and better that. And then that led to me starting my own thing, right? Yeah. It's just doing it. And so finding a way to do it. I mean, I, you hear young people now, it's like, you know, it's, you know, working for free is dumb. I'm like, well, first of all, working for free in a, in, a, in the field you want to work in is better than not working in the field you want to work in at all. Right. And so be willing to do that. And if the people yeah. that, that you work for are, you know, treat you right. They'll 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 find a way to take care of you some way somehow. But just find a way to do it. Number one, yep,
1: exactly. Uh,
2: be a hard worker. That's one of the biggest problems that I have when it comes to dealing with people. Uh, is is you know is this guy really invested in what I'm trying to do? Is he accountable? you know, when I ask him to do something, does he do it? Does he step up and do it? Is he a hard worker? Is he, is he a person that's got passion for what he does? It's not that you got to have passion for my business, but if you have passion for what you do, that will inherently mean that you're doing things that are are good for my business. So those like, you know, I've had tried to have Notre Dame students help out with things. I had a guy one time, really good writer when I could get him to show up, (laughs) you know, and and do the work and they say, I'll do this. And then like not hear from him for a couple of weeks. It's like, well, that's not going to work. You know what I mean? But uh that's the big thing and if it's something where you just want to kind of go out on your own and do it just do it man like Mm -hmm. go start your own channel and start talking about another football and if if what you have to say is good then people will find you right i mean yeah i remember first time we had a thousand downloads on a viewer like oh my gosh this is so great now it's like if we have a thousand downloads on a on a art on a a show like oh my god like (laughs) is that like the worst show we've ever done or something like if people like you they'll find you man but just find a way to do it You know, don't be afraid to have people tell you no. You know, like some people could write to me. Hey, I'd love to do this. There's a guy that asked about wanting to do things for editing. I got to respond to him. I keep forgetting to respond to him. I'm so busy, you know, but be willing to reach out. And sometimes people ignore you. Sometimes people say, no, thanks. Sometimes somebody say, yeah, you know what? I'll help you out. So if you're listening and you're the guy that emailed me about editing, I'm, I'm not purpose ignoring you. I've just been really busy. I will email you this weekend. I promise. Uh, but just be willing to do that get your foot in the door just do it and 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 the other thing too is put a lot of pride in your craft
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know don't don't treat jobs as just jobs if if you want to do something like this it's got to be something you got to be passionate about because if it's just a job to you you're going to hate it you, you are because it's just your life's going to get in the way and because this yeah. is not a nine-to-five job that's the other thing you want to do this it's not a nine-to-five job you got to you know something happens at nine o'clock you you got to do it right i mean you don't get weekends off i mean vince you know how my days go oh, sure do be at a baseball game and all of a sudden oh this happened oh sorry i can't say well i'll deal with it in three hours i'm in a baseball game well, okay, <laughs> deal with it now you know gotta deal with it now yeah so yeah, i'm driving home for memorial day find out Devin ford commits i gotta pull off on the side of the road walk around on the toll road get my computer and sit there as as my car's vibrating as semis go flying by me at 80 miles an hour, and <laughs> Oh my God, I'm going to die. And I had to get it out. Right. Cause it had yeah. to get done and nobody else was going to do it. So I had to get it done, you know? So, uh, it, it that's what this job is. Right. So people yeah. see like it's us having fun on the show. There's a lot more to it. There's a sure. lot of prep and a lot of stuff that comes afterwards that goes into this, that, uh, it's, it, it's, it's fun. It's a blast. I'm blessed, but it's like, I think, there's a lot that goes into this that people don't realize. And so you've got to, you've got to understand that and it's hard work and all that other kind of stuff, but man, just find a way to do it. And if you've got the talent, you'll rise. If you don't, yeah, you'll have to find something else to do.
1: It is fun. There's no doubt about that. And I, I will say that when I got into this business, it was as a side thing. It was like uh, Hey, you know what? It's fun to talk about Notre Dame football. Let's, see if I could do something else with it. And I won a contest and then did it for free. Well, I'll say free in quotes because I got to go to the games. I got to go to the home games. That was my payment, which was unbelievable. Awesome. And I did it. I did. That's what I did for a few years. And then how I the radio station or yeah, at the radio station. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I won. I won a contest to be Sean's co-host for a pregame show for Notre Dame football on U 93. Here locally. And that parlayed into working with Sean on his radio show for free, by the way. And I would pick up money by running the board, the radio board. I would run the board for like uh, NFL games and things like that. And so that's how I would kind of make a little bit of money. But then the on air stuff, I was doing for free because Mm I really enjoyed working with Sean and I really enjoyed talking about Notre Dame football. And then that kind of parlayed into doing a little bit of writing and that's how I met Brian and, you know, so on and so forth. And so it's a little bit of being in the right place at the right time. And it's a little bit of just being willing to do whatever, whenever, you know, and that's kind of still it a went. little bit of a side thing for you. Oh, a, absolutely. A side thing that, you know, you make, but it's become a side thing that is very important to, you know, my family, you know, right. financially, it's a, it has become a side thing that is, Part of the whole thing, you know what I mean, right. and um, because I did other side things before, right. this became my main. You value thing. for yourself, absolutely right, exactly right. right, and but making friends, making you know, working with the with the people that were around me, and 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 getting to know what they were doing, and learning their side of right. the craft, right, and and right. that kind of a thing, and just being a sponge. That's kind of what it's all about, and that allowed me to not, not pay you just because you're my friend. I pay because right, you bring value to what we right. do. Yeah, you know? exactly. And, and you
2: made yourself valuable. You made yourself an important piece to be willing to do. Hey, I'll co-host with Sean. Sure. I'll right. transition from what I was doing with you before to, to do this. And yeah, there's value to it. So. Yep, yeah, exactly. And that, and that allowed me How to How much now did you make not...
1: when we first started doing shows together? Oh, yeah. It wasn't much. <laughs> it was Well, it was zero to start off That's with, wasn't it? Because we
2: weren't making any money
1: off of our right. show. Yeah. Right. It, it was, was, was just like, hey, like, like, let's try to see if we can get this started and then maybe down the line we can make some money from. Them. And I was like, cool. I get to do shows with my buddy. Let's go. Right. You know? Exactly. And and it's turned into something awesome where I was able to quit Home Depot and you know right. some other side. You things were doing things shows doing. with me,
2: but you were doing other jobs Absolutely. as well. Exactly.
1: Because you yeah. got a bunch of kids. That yeah. <laughs> 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 just just bleed me dry. <laughs>
2: oh, goodness. Oh, that's uh, a great uh,
1: question, Gregory. Yeah.
2: I'm going to real quick address this, Archer452. Uh, how would you rank the tight end room against Ooh. the other teams on the schedule? We will – I know you guys were asking a question kind of like this yesterday. For we're the, actually every gonna have position to show <laughs> Yeah, we're going to actually have some articles and show a, a sh- couple shows about this. We'll do one offense, one defense as we get closer to the season. So we'll, we'll address it there. Just off the top of my head, I'd, I'd think top three. I just have to dive more into you – know, like I know Ohio State is a much more established starter. I'd have to do a little bit more research on what their depth looks like and sure. you know just – you know, Purdue, I know Purdue lost their kid. What do they have coming back? I and mean, there's just some, a little bit more research I'd have to do to be able to give you that answer off the top of my head, top three, but I've reserved the right yeah. to change that up or down to, after sure. I finish breaking all that stuff down. So that'll be stuff we do kind of later in fall camp as we get closer and closer to the season. That'll be part of our, our, this is our pre-camp coverage. That'll be part of our right before
1: pre-season, uh, pre-season coverage. Lucky Ducks 5-1-2, what would you like to see from Tyree in fall camp that would get you excited for him having a good year? It's a good question. Catching
2: catching the ball consistently. Yeah. That that, that
1: would be number one. And then a close number two would be I want to see his feel for the position, you know, finding that opening in zone and just, you know – that, that's a big part of being a wide receiver is finding, you know, just being comfortable and, and finding a way to get open. and, But then consistently catching the ball is obviously huge. We know he can run fast. We know he can do those things. I think he's a pretty good route runner. But that feel for how to get open and finding those creases is going to be huge. Oh. All right, let's go to the uh, next one here, Vince. From Andrew Gilmore, who's the better quarterback, Hartman or Brock Purdy? I would say it
2: depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for a consummate game manager that doesn't make bad decisions and just gets the ball where it needs to get to, it's Brock, probably Brock Purdy. Sam Harmon's always going to be a bit of a chance taker. And if you're a team that, man, we just can't afford to turn the ball over. You you may like Brock Purdy better. Like Brock Purdy's got the better size. He's got a little bit better body, a little thicker than Sam. But I mean, I just think Sam's the more talented guy. Sure. Arm talent wise, I think if you're going to run the kind of offense that Notre Dame wants to run, it's going to be Sam Hartman. You want somebody who can throw the ball down the field, someone that's willing to take some chances, can take some pressure off the run game in ways that that I don't know that Brock Purdy can. Again, he's a good game manager, he's a good quarterback, but sure, I think Sam Hartman's the more
1: talented guy. It was, I think this stems from a conversation that was asked yesterday. It was, can Sam Hartman be a starter in the NFL? Mm-hmm. and at one point, I think I said, you know, we, were t- we started talking about Brock Purdy for something, and I, so I circled back to it. I said, well, look, it's all about being in the right position and, and on the right team at the right time. That has a lot to do with it if you're not a generational-style quarterback like a Trevor Lawrence. Like, Trevor Lawrence is going to make an impact no matter what team he's going to be on. He's going to sure. start.
2: Sure.
1: But if you are – you know, it, Brady Quinn going to the Cleveland Browns didn't do him any favors. No, You know what Same I mean? Those, were, Kaiser. those right. were my two, like – differentiating situations, right? Right. Brock Purdy got himself in a situation where he was able to be successful because he fell into a good situation on a pretty good, like the guys around him were really good. And their starting quarterback got hurt. Exactly. And so Actually, their top two quarterbacks got hurt. He was in a situation where he was able to be successful. And I thought, I was like, if Brock Purdy can be that guy, then Sam Hartman can be that guy for sure. But he has to be, I think, in the right situation.
2: I think too many times people kind of get into this. Well, he's not a top-round draft pick, so no, he can't be a starter. Right. And I just think that doesn't really deal in reality. Absolutely. The reality is is there's not 32 first-round draft pick caliber guys playing quarterback in the national football. Exactly. exactly. There's just not. And a lot of the guys that people view as first-round picks are are just that because, you know, like Will Levis is picked number 34 overall, not because he's a good quarterback, but because he can throw the ball a 1,000 miles an hour and really far. That's sure, it. he's He's a mediocre at best college quarterback, at best. Sam Hartman was an exponentially better college quarterback than him, but he's not 6'4 with a bazooka no. for an arm. That's exactly. it. Right. Now, the NFL team still evaluate that poorly because let's be real about something, Vince. If, if the NFL, if the San Francisco 49ers thought that Brock Purdy was a starting caliber quarterback they would have not waited until the very last draft pick of the NFL draft. He literally was Mr. Irrelevant. Was he really? Not have I, waited didn't, till then. I didn't even realize it's, that. Yeah. It, it's kind of like people say, well, what a brilliant draft pick by Bill <laughs> Belichick. No. If Bill Belichick thought that Tom Brady was going to be that good, he's an idiot for waking, waiting until the sixth round. Correct. You wait till like the third round and then you take that chance on him. Right. No, you're stupid if you wait till the sixth round. Somebody's gonna tip pick him. You know, you, you run the risk of someone picking him if you think he didn't think he was gonna be that. Right. No, I think they liked Tom Brady. Clearly, they liked Tom Brady. they took him the sixth round, gave him a chance to make the team and all that. They clearly liked him, but they didn't view him as like what he became.
1: Right, exactly. If
2: the 49ers thought that this is gonna be our starting quarterback for the next however many years, they would not have waited until the 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 very, very end of the seventh round. Right to do it they just wouldn't have
1: right so i mean and there's always going to be exceptions to every rule right right? i mean look kirk cousins for example was drafted in the exact same draft as as griffith right like the same team same draft
2: first first overall pick right wasn't yeah, yeah they
1: they weren't considering kirk cousins to be a starter in the NFL for a long period of time and look at what he's done right. because he ended up in a good situation that allowed him to be successful. Right. And, and here he is. Right. And say what you want to about Kirk Cousins. That's not the point I'm ma- The point I'm making is he is a sustained starter in the NFL and he was the second quarterback taken by his team in the same draft. Right. So it, there, there's so many variables, so many variables. Could Could Sam Hartman be – a starter in the NFL. My answer is yes. It just depends on all the different variables that go into it.
2: Yeah. Uh, if you had to ask me who would I would rather have, Sam Mark or Brock Purdy, I, I would absolutely take Sam Hartman. I you, would over too. Or Brock Purdy. Because Brock Purdy might, you could say, maybe has a higher floor. I think he's much lower ceiling. Agreed. And, and to me, if the 49ers think that they're going to win a Super Bowl with Brock Purdy, I just I have a hard time believing. Right. right. I think that's a mistake. I think that's a mistake, and and I but but they're also again this is the nature of the NFL mm-hmm. with what they're paying some of their other stars Christian McCaffrey and Trent Williams sure. they they can't afford to go out there and, and pay for a Pat Mahomes type of guy
1: right so they you have even to the Trey Lance you know they have me? to so deal, deal with what they've got
2: yeah you've got yeah. Brock, Brock Purdy making the league minimum basically for the next three years financially that makes a lot of sense so Trey Lance right. would have to be significantly better than Brock Purdy for them to to want to go then because. As a first-round pick, he makes a lot more money. Sure. So yeah.
1: Yep. A lot yep. of variables, like I said, a lot of variables going to who's starting for your for yeah. your favorite NFL team for sure. <laughs> Archer, what is the best type of offense? Or, oh, I'm sorry. What is the base type of offense Parker is going to run? How different from Tommy Reese's do you expect it to be? Look, we don't. Archer know. doing. He's doing a little, uh, yeah. a little a little breakdown here. Well, what I like well, is
2: that when we're when we're doing shows like this, he always asks about Notre Dame or some Notre Dame related question. Yeah. Usually, uh, he'll wait till the Friday shows or to ask some of the you know the other stuff. But I appreciate that. I, we don't know, we don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I could tell you based on the Blue Gold game, but I don't, I don't know that even that's the case. I, <laughs> you're missing. Audrick carried the ball what twice, two, three times. You do not right. have you know, your team playing together, you didn't have all your tight ends. You you know, I mean, there's just, we don't know. We don't know. Uh, Is it, is it going to, how it'll be different from Tommy Reese's, even if it's the same exact playbook, because every coach is going to run the same playbook differently. They're going to have different emphases and it's going to be a different roster. And so it'll look different, but uh, you know, it'll, I think the one, the only thing we really know is we'll see more RPOs in this offense.
1: That's the only thing that I really feel confident we can say for
2: sure. We're definitely going to see that this season.
1: Yeah. I think we'll see the majority eleven personnel, but that yeah. could vary game to game. I mean, I just yeah, yeah I'm not and sure. He he followed up with he's not sure what type of offense Parker ran before.
2: Parker's never run an offense. Exactly his offense at West Virginia, he ran Neil Brown's offense, and Neil Brown was the primary play caller. Right. So uh, I think he did like red zone and stuff like that. So that's that's the whole point. Like with Garrett Riley, you kind of have an idea of what Garrett Riley's going to do because we know the tree he came from yes he's got some different wrinkles than his brother and he'll probably have some different wrinkles from what you know sonny dykes like to do but they're both air raid guys and that's his lineage and he's kind of running offense and you have an idea of what he's going to do with jared parker he's never run his own offense before so and and i don't know that he necessarily has uh the freedom to completely revamp the offense and he may have like all these things he wants to do he can't just come in with a new playbook he's I mean, he's taking over kind of what was already established terminology wise, right. scheme wise, yeah. and stuff like that. And he's going to put his own wrinkles on it. It'd probably take him a couple of years, I man. It's two to three years to transform it to more into what if he has a different vision of it. It's going to take a little bit more time. But I think part of the thing with with why he was hired is because his philosophy of offense and what he believes in is similar to what Marcus Freeman wants. Right. Exactly. Which is a balanced offense that can run the ball on anyone but also has the ability to go beat you throwing the football if, you know, so I think Marcus Freeman wants that balanced where being able to run the football is still at the heart of what you do. But as, as this is a kind of a conversation I had with coach Freeman that didn't make it in the articles, but we kind of talked about like being a great running team doesn't mean you average 250 rushing yards a game because if you know, that's kind of that stubborn, we're just going to pound our head into the wall. No matter what, if teams are coming in there and loading the box up, then I have no problem throwing for three fifty. Right. Right. Exactly. That's what presents itself. But when we need to run, we can run, right? That's where he wants to be. Yep. Not just you know unnecessarily being stubbornly running the football just because you need to get to your two hundred yards. That's not what he believes in. But he believes in in no matter who you're playing, no matter the situation, when you need a run, when you need a yard, you can get that yard. That you go yeah. out to every game and your foundation is we can run the ball on you. So if a team wants to come out and say we're not going to let Sam Hartman beat us, and their name's going to say cool, yeah, and right. we're about to run for three bills on you. Exactly. If you're gonna play six in the box oh. and, and not let us throw the ball down the field, Audrick is this is your best chance at putting yeah. some Heisman tape together. Yep, you know exactly. what I mean? Like some Doak Walker tape together.
1: I mean I would love, I would yeah. love, love to see a team come out and put six in the box and think they're gonna beat Notre Dame. Like that yeah. bring it on, man. Yeah. <laughs> With this yep. offensive line and the and the Absolutely. running back room, and oh my God. Yep. let's go. Absolutely. W J S. Any of the tight ends remind you of Kyle Rudolph?
2: Eli Raritan a little bit okay. as, from what Kyle was in, in at Notre Dame, your big, tall vertical Kyle. Heimath Kyle Rudolph is also a really good high school basketball player as well.
1: Sure. Eli, the same number, body
2: type wise. Yeah. Body type wise. I think, I think Kyle Eli's a little faster. You know, he's a little bit more fluid. Kyle was a little bit, a little bit tight in the hips but great hands, very similar. Uh, Yeah. Very similar. Cool. That's a, that's how about you, Vince? You kind of, no. that's a
1: good, that's a good comp. I, I, that's a really good, you know, I seen them both in number nine and seeing them both go up and get the ball. And yeah, I could see it. Absolutely. I could see it. Both kind of that athletic uh, quote unquote, modern tight end. Yeah. I could see that. I think, I feel like Kyle Rudolph was that in college and then he, he didn't morph, but he allowed himself to bulk up a little bit in the NFL to be able to play at that level and and Mm -hmm. be able to be a more traditional tight end, but also still maintain that athleticism. Yeah. That makes sense.
2: Yep.
4: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear. Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner.
0: Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where bank of America can help.
1: Got last three, it looks like here, Vince. All right. Dalen Riggins, what attributes would a two man group at tight end have? Height? I mean, it just depends on who your two are, right? Like, um,
2: so if we're just talking about in theory, in theory, a two tight end set gives you more ability to create extra gaps in the run game. That's ultimately the goal of having a tight end attached to the line of scrimmage. It's sure. we now have an extra gap to run the football, which also means the edge has been widened out. So if you're in 12 personnel with your two tight ends on the end of the line of scrimmage, you now have a C-gap to run the football in everywhere. And now the the, the outside runs are D-gap. You've now created a wider edge sure. for if teams want to come off the edge. So, you know, you have extra gaps. You now have the ability to to get edge blo- good, firm edge blocks no matter where you go. Because, like, it used to be back in the day, Vince, where if you were a twelve personnel team, you would literally, you are almost every run you had was a check with me, mm-hmm. or or if even if it wasn't, the quarterback could quickly check. So you, you line up, you are in a balanced two by two. You find out where you have the numbers, where you have the edge, and say, hey, you know, just quickly, we're running outside zone. I am just going to decide which way we're going to go to it. Right. So you come, up, you know, Ringo, Ringo, whatever the case may be, or Tiger, Tiger. I mean, you give some, you know, I always laugh when teams would do like R and L's with their I know. checks, I'm like, bro. Seriously you know what i mean we're not that dumb i know know. i know defenders are dumb but we're not (laughs) that dumb. (laughs) you know but like whatever the call is like hey we're running this opposite you know what i mean it's not quite like that anymore but it still is a little bit but 12 personnel gives you the ability to do that and it was great for duo because you know duo was a run where you'd actually run it to the tight end where inside zone is usually where you're running it away from the tight end you know where you're actually cutting back to the tight end so like duo is it's kind of funny because a, a an inside zone cuts back to the tight end duo bounces to the tight end. It's right, but it's it's similar similar type of attack angle, even though the blocking scheme is a lot different. But those are the advantages to it. A little bit more beef. Uh, height is, I mean, it, height is an advantage in in certain looks, but it's not a primary reason to go twelve. Sure, it, it's more about creating that those extra spaces in the run game, and then if you can do some throwing the game stuff. But like if you're a team that's going to throw the ball all day you're not going to be a 12 personnel team unless you have like Tony Gonzalez and Shannon Sharp types as your tight ends, right? You're just, right. you're not going to line up and, or you don't have receivers. You're not going to line up in 12 personnel all day, throw the ball 65 times, unless you just have studs at tight end. Sure. It's more because you're able to create. And then the other thing too, I can do out of that is I can go double tight. So I can put a tight end over and a wing, and now I've created an even extra gap. There's now a D gap that I can run through that side. And then I can do things with my receivers coming backside to kind of isolate that backside a little bit. You know, I can run read zone or I can run an RPO backside, you know, put my twins backside, you know, so if they want to crash off the edge, I can pull it and throw the little bubble or something like that. I mean, there's things you can do to kind of isolate that where I can, I can create an even extra edge and not leverage you. It's a leverage gap run game sure. thing really is the primary reasons for that. Vince, would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, you know, and and as far as an attributes like if I was creating my players, right? And and I didn't just have to work with what I had, I would want kind of a a Mitchell Evans type and I would want um an Eli Raritan type. Like that I would want two different types of tight ends that I can bring in and we can block or I can put them out and we can go. Like right. That's what I would do ideally, but I can take two Mitchell Evanses or I can take two Eli Raridans and be successful. I would want one of each just so I can right. vary what I want to do. And right. I would put Mitchell Evans out wide and, and keep Eli attached. Like there's there's a million different things that you can do, but but you're ideally. still primarily a running football team. Absolutely at all the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
2: You just want to be um you just want to be in a situation Vince where you want to be balanced in those looks. Right. You don't want to be like but you don't want to be like cuz you don't want to be like 80-20 90 10 Absolutely. when you're 12 personnel, or even 70 30. You want to be more sick, true 60 40 when you look at the calls, and sometimes right. 70 30. I mean, if they're not stopping it, they're not stopping it. Like, correct. The only time you should be 80 20s if, like, this team is just not stopping us. Like, Clemson right. just could not stop Notre Dame and 12 personnel last year. I mean, just for whatever reason in that game, they just they
1: had no answers. No right. answers. So you keep going. Like, keep doing I, it. I definitely subscribe to the theory that if something's working, I'm going to keep going at it. Like, I, I yeah. I'm not going to try to be the smartest guy in the room. Where oh well, I've got to you know, I got to change it up. Like uh, right. no, I don't. I there was a game I remember when I was calling plays in high school. And the team we were playing just couldn't stop trap. And I called trap like eight times in a row, and we just bloop bloop, bloop, bloop touchdown. Yeah. Like I, that's okay. one of the
2: things I liked when I was breaking down Chip Long's film in Memphis. There was a drive I think it was against UCF or Cincinnati or like somebody like that, maybe Tulane or something. But like they literally ran G scheme all the way down the field. Yeah. It's went left or right. I mean, yeah. they just ran their G scheme, just boom, 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 boom. And you can stop it. I think they like ran, they ran it like at one point, it's like a 10 play drive. At one point they ran like six or seven plays in a
1: row. Yeah, exactly. It's just yeah. like, look,
2: you, you have yet to do what you need to do to stop this play. Why do
1: I need exactly. to exactly it? I remember my head coach is like, why do we keep running the same play over and over again? I said, cause we're averaging eight and a half yards of carry. Like and well, they have done nothing to adjust to right. it. Right, right. We're I can keep cannot leverage it.
2: them formationally every single time. And they've done nothing about it. Yeah, exactly.
1: exactly. Yep. This is that TDD Brammy for Ta- Todd Brammy for maybe? I don't know. But thanks for the question. If the tight know. end sneak is back, would you like to see Evans pass out of it? Uh, and if so, against who and in what situation? I'm, I hope it's not back personally. But uh, Yeah, I,
2: I just. That's one of those
1: you do it once or twice and that's right. it. Type of it was situation. a nice wrinkle last year. Yeah. It worked early. They went back yeah. to the well too many times. What I want to yeah. see him pass out of it.
2: Uh, here's the thing: if you're going to pass out of it, you're passing out of it because you think it's going to work that particular play. Sure. But my whole thing is, I'd rather, I'd rather. I mean, it's a gimmicky thing. Would I have a problem if they passed out of it against a Tennessee State or a? Central Michigan or even a Duke, I guess I'd be okay with it, you know, but like, I just would rather, if you want to throw to football, put your starting quarterback under center and yeah. run something out of it. You know, I'd rather, right. I'd much rather Mitchell Evans be catching a ball in a 13 <laughs> personnel scenario than throwing right. it, you know, yeah. just um, like, you know, I'm, I'm someone who's like, I'm still, I still think the biggest waste that Notre Dame ever had offensively and their entire tenure that I've ever followed Notre Dame was the fact that Avery Davis never threw a pass in a game. Oh, I was waiting for that thing. last year when he got hurt. Like, I was like, oh. but like, it shouldn't have waited till his fifth no, you're year. You're right, you're or right. Sixth year. This year, last year was the sixth year. You're right, 17, 18, 19, 21, 22. This was the sixth year. It should have happened before, yes, you know, because you recruited him to play, yes. quarterback tailor made. It wasn't just like he played quarterback in high school, like, uh, um. Mitchell Evans, they literally recruited him to play quarterback. Right. So it just never made any sense. Right. So if he's not going to throw a pass, I want Mitchell Evans throwing a pass. Not that yeah. Mitchell couldn't do it. The only way that I would say to do it is if you were going to do something, and it, this is where I'd actually be okay with the tight end. If you were going to work it this way, to where Mitchell actually took a shotgun snap and and was doing like a, a, a zone read type of thing, where you're going to run jet or he's keeping it and hammering the line of scrimmage, I, that's a different wrinkle you could do a couple of times. And then out of that, you could throw the ball. Sure. But I don't want him, like, faking the sneak and then pop passing it over there. No, because some safety is going to be right there. Right.
1: No. And there's, there's no read, by the way, when you're doing, like, right. a pop pass. It's, that's usually, like, right. a one – like you're just, you're doing it, right? And it's just there's just too much.
2: Yeah, you'd have to yeah. put him like in the pistol because when Tim Tebow did that stuff, I believe he did that out of like a pistol look. He'd mm-hmm. do that little knee thing and then, yep, you know, yeah. or he'd run up and then jump it over like that. I just, yeah, it couldn't be off of the look that they showed last year, right? Sure.
1: Right. We have another one from uh, was it Todd Brammy four. Sure. Yeah. Uh, do you think Notre Dame needs to win at least a playoff game before the playoff expansion to help with perception, recruiting, and whatnot? Do they need to? No. It would be. It would be helpful. Sure, it
2: would. I mean, look if, if they go if they go out next year and, and win a playoff game, I would say, well, it depends on who they who they because I think early on the playoff wins will help in your you know selling of your team hey we're talking that. about when it
1: expands
2: and expands gotcha. after a couple of years it's going to be like guys there's 12 teams right right winning a first round game like it. it's going to be it's kind of like the ncaa tournament
1: mm-hmm.
2: it used to be where if you made the ncaa tournament and won a game that immediately got you into the sweet 16 because there's only like 32 teams in the tournament that's true right and so it was big now it's like you can win two you have to win two games to get you the sweet 16 now right yep some teams three that's right if you're in a play-in game so yeah. it's like you could win a game get beaten around two and it's like well so what you didn't even make the sweet 16 you didn't even get that's out of the first weekend right yeah. and that's what killed mike bray he'd win the first game they just didn't win the second game you know got beat by west virginia got beat by whoever and and so it just doesn't mean a whole lot now it's because the Sweet 16. You, you make Sweet 16, you've done something because you've, sure. you know, it, that's what the playoff is going to turn into. It, it's did you win this did you win a quarterfinals game or not? That's going right. to be. But the first couple of years, you, you'll get some you'll get some love for it. So, yeah, you will get some
1: traction out of that. Yeah. You win a home playoff game, yeah. and there'll be a lot of pub around it. Right. And, that, and it's also going to matter okay. who you beat.
2: Sure, you know, did you go out and play uh, right the Group of Five team if, if they're the five seed, seed and they play. Yeah, what you know you beat yeah. nine and three memphis by 20 it's like the no right, right
1: here <clears throat> exactly.
2: you get a hot you know washington team or you get a power five team texas gets in there and you beat a name brand yeah that's, sure. that's gonna mean something sure. i mean it, it, it it's not gonna have the same impact as going to the semifinal this year like there's there's levels right vince Since going to a playoff game this year and winning is gonna mean more than winning a a a first round game next year yes it doesn't mean next year's game won't be impactful if you go win one next year right does that make sense absolutely So, do they need to do one no would it be incredibly helpful if they won one absolutely it would my goodness
1: absolutely it would I've talked to Ryan both on the show and you know uh, just the two of us like texting back and forth and I know you know he's super high in the twenty five class, for example, right? And I, and I, it's a, it's a loaded class from what it sounds like, yeah. right? He's the, he's you guys are the experts, but it sounds like it's a loaded class. Oh yeah. If they go to the playoff and they win a game this year, that twenty five class is going to explode, no doubt. It's going to explode. No and no... same with twenty six, and yeah. right. Yeah. Exactly, and so that's going to give you a ton of momentum. Now, if they don't go to the playoff, or they go to the playoff, they lose, but then they win one next year. You were in the playoff. That's great. You win one next right. year. It's still going to be a bump. It, But it won't be like this year. Absolutely won't correct. Be like this year. Yep. But they're still going to be okay. For sure. But, but, but here's yes. the thing. If
2: Notre Dame goes to the playoff <laughs> this year and loses in the semifinal in a barn burner to Georgia, lose. Geor- let's say that Notre Dame goes to the playoff this year and loses the way that Ohio State lost to Georgia last year. That's going to give them a bump too. Absolutely. Like, hey, man, you're the missing piece. Right. To come here and, you know, the, the next key on Keely that comes along, hey, bro, you're the difference between that le- late, late field goal loss and a late field goal win for a championship. Because if we had you, you know, their quarterback doesn't make that one play that won the game for them or whatever the case may be. Right. It's a much right. easier sell when you go to the playoff and you get annihilated. It's like these right. guys are still a long way away. Right. Exactly. You know, so even a, a playoff close loss helps you that's still a step
1: right it's still a step from where they've been right it's still a step in the right direction from where they've been
2: status i'm not sad hey we've arrived no no no. no. arrived is when you win a championship right but hey you'd feel like hey we're closer as long as it's to a I mean, if you get to the playoff and like, like that's what I think stings Michigan fans so much from last year is the fact that the TCU it's, it's not that they, I mean, they lost in a really close game, but they didn't get the, they didn't get the love from that game. Right. That noted that, that Ohio state got from Georgia. Sure. Even though they were both close losses and both teams had a chance to win it late. It's because yeah, but Ohio state lost to Georgia. You lost to TCU. Now TCU was a really good football team. last For year. sure. But then the perception
1: didn't help when they just got right. smoke-showed the it, next week. That's also –
2: that's a great point. Yeah. But it's still TCU. Even if okay. TCU would have played Absolutely. a little bit tough, it's For still sure. TCU. But you're correct, Vince. When they got slaughtered in the next game, it's like, dude, you lost <laughs> – All I could hear was, was Michigan fans. 45, like, you yeah. gave a 51 <laughs> right. points of that team. Right. Come on, man.
1: We, we would have put up a better fight against Georgia. No, uh, you well, yeah. no. you, didn't. you
2: yeah. I hate that. Browns I fans know. used to say that crap to me when I was oh. a kid. Well, we'd have been closer in the Super Bowl than you were. Based on what? We beat you. Right. Right? Like, right. what do you mean it exactly. been closer? We beat you. So, this like, is not a hypothetical. Like, so stupid. Yeah, so exactly. Dumb. So dumb. <laughs> yeah, I mean, t- the the need part's what I would remove. If you were to yeah. frame it to where, you know, would a playoff win this year be more impactful from a perception standpoint than a, sure. a first-round playoff game next year? Absolutely right, but it's still going to be impactful next year. Right now, if Notre Dame next year can get because here and here's where the playoff can help you from a from a perception standpoint. If let's say because with Notre Dame they can't they have to win two to get to the semifinals since they can't win a right. first round a quarter yeah. they can't get a first round bye. Let's say Notre Dame next year goes uh twelve and zero and they're the five seed, eleven and one they're the five seed. Either one, right, and. They win a game over, you no, know, like Oklahoma State, right? Some, um, you know, Wisconsin gets in, okay. something like that, right? Good win, but not. But then you go to the next round, and you play the four seed and the four seeds, Georgia, uh, Texas. No, it can't. It can't be you know an SEC team. They're going to be in the SEC. Then you beat Ohio State, Michigan, and then go to the semifinals and lose. That's way bigger than just going to the semifinals this now and losing. Right. You, you So even though you're still losing at the same stage, you've earned that big win. Sure. In the quarterfinals over a big name team that was seeded higher than you. I say that seeded higher than you because their name it, may still yeah. be ranked higher. The seed,
1: but the seed is – yeah, right. Yeah. Their
2: name could be the best team in the country, and they're still be the a five. Right. Right. So uh, but so those are the things you look for, Vince, and, and, and you say – those can present you some more opportunities and make some noise, even if you're only ever getting to the final four and losing. Right. Right. I mean, that's, and then you got to get to the final four and lose a few times before teams start saying, okay, you've been here a few times. Like it's right. time to win one. Right. Right. But you, you're still going to get a ton of love. Wow. They won two games. And sure. that's something that is an advance. It, it's going to get to the point where you don't get that really big bump. Like you get a semifinal game now until you win a quarterfinal game over a higher seeded team. Right. right, that's going to be really the the key for Notre Dame in that regard. So,
1: we had we had a, another kind of a playoff question too. Before All right. we get to uh, from story. Rob Osgood, sorry this is so late, but next year with the expanded playoff starting as a coach, will you watch playing time more because of the of more potential games? To a degree, I mean, you still got to win the games. I mean, it, yeah. So you kind of have to balance the fact that you've got to win these games to get in, but then also I want to make sure my guys are fresh and. There's still going to be what two weeks, three weeks in between. Like, if we're talking Notre Dame specifically, yeah. there's gonna be three weeks between, I believe, the end of their season to the beginning of the 12 team playoff.
2: Yeah, there's a couple things. Number one, in my opinion, the NCAA needs to do one of two things in response to the expanded playoff because even teams that win their conference championships still have to win three games to win a title. They're going to have to play 16 games to win a title. You have to win the quarterfinal game, the semifinal game, the championship game. Am I correct?
1: I believe so. And you know they're
2: not getting rid of conference championship games. So that's 12 regular seasons, your conference championship game, plus three playoff games. Even if you're the number one seed, you got to win three playoff games to win it all. You can win your conference and still have to win four games. Because if you win your conference and you're a Power Five champion, but you're not one of the four seeds, then you got to you're, you're still in the first, first round. weekend. Yeah, so that team's got to play seventeen games. So they need to do one of two things. Number one, eliminate the four year rule. The reality is, if the last time I did this, I, I read this, students on average take four and a half years to graduate. So, like just normal students. So go and say you have five years. You have five years to play. There's no more red shirting. You have five mm. years to play. Okay. So whether you play two snaps or 10 snaps or a, a, a thousand snaps, right? you have five years to play. Now, what this does is, is this means that you can play more depth. You can play a young guy, five snaps a game for 13 games. Right. Right. And, and then if you need a, if you need a medical red shirt, you can get a sixth year if you missed know a, a full year sure. because of ninja or something like that right. right so do that and let them play five years i think what that would do is you would see graduation rates go up a little bit because they have more time yeah. we have more time uh because then kids could maybe take a little bit of a some of the kids who maybe aren't elite students could say hey you know i'm i'm gonna maybe stay at the 12 and better be able to handle my my course load something like that or you'd see more kids what we'd also see is more kids getting master's degrees yeah because the kids that are good students to be able to, sure. I'm still getting done in three and a half. And then now I got a, another full time yeah. to, to go get my master's degree. The guys that are big time players are still going to leave after three anyway. Right. right. But now you don't have to redshirt a kid and say, well, we're going to arbitrarily not play him at all or only four games because of this redshirt rule. Well, now that you're forcing teams to play 15, 16, 17 games, this redshirt rule is great because now I can play guys on special teams. Sure. Take some of the wear and tear off of, or sure. I've got this really good offensive lineman that I'd like to get 10 snaps a game, but I can't. Cause I got a red shirt. Right. Or I've got this number three tight end. So you could do that. Or the second thing that they could do is if they don't want to do that and, that, and that's my number one solution is get rid of, get rid of the arbitrary four years to play, right? Four. You have five years to play four. Just let them play five years. Right. Just let them play five years. And then the other part of it is the uh, now, you know, maybe you can say once kids have four years, you you can still decide to bring it back for a fifth year or not. You have that option. You know, you're, okay. your but scholarship that option is a for four years. Yeah. Right. So there's still the option of, you know, transferring an automatic transfer. You graduate on time, you know, so you're not guaranteed a fifth year at that school. But, you know, so there's be some things you'd have to work out on it. But that's what I would suggest do or say postseason games don't count towards red shirts which means now I could play a red shirt four games, but then know that I can go play him in the postseason at full time. Right. So those are different things that you could do uh, to, to allow your team to have the depth they need. Or maybe you expand the red shirt rule to, you can't play more than half the team's regular season games, make it six games, something along, but, but wh- however you do it, Postseason does not count towards a red shirt. Right. So if you play four games of the regular season, you get your red shirt. I don't care if you play every single snap of every single postseason game. That That's what I would say to do, because what's going to happen, Vince, is you're going to see kids getting screwed out of their situations because you're getting into game 16 and 17. The more games you play, the more injuries that are going to happen. And so now I, I, I played a kid four games of the regular season thinking we're not going to need in the postseason. And now in the semifinal game, my starter goes down and I need to play this kid. We just burned a year of eligibility. That's that shouldn't be the coaches shouldn't be having to make those decisions in the postseason yeah. to get to play seven. You, you guys wanted to make all this money. Then you need to give us better protections for our players and for sure. our teams. And that comes from either getting rid of the arbitrary five years to play four and say, if they can play four and five, then just let them play five. Just let them play five. If a kid can stay for five years anyway, why not do it now? And then they're all getting out at the end of their freshman, you know, because then after their fifth-year seasons, just like a fifth year is now, once the season's over with, you know, they'll either play in the postseason and then start getting ready for the NFL draft, they don't have to worry about finishing up school and stuff like that. That's sure. the way I look at it, right? So that's absolutely Absolutely, where we could go, and that's more realistic than somebody mentioned. You know, cut a game off. They're not going to do that. No, these, these schools in the in no. the in the conferences, no. and the they're not going to give up revenue. Right, that's the whole well, point. They're not going to well,
1: give up revenue, and the, and there's, I mean, there's make changes to allow you to better right. manage your rosters. And cutting a game off the schedule, that only affects positively the twelve or twelve to fifteen teams that are playing in a conference championship, Correct. and then in the playoff. Correct. You still have hundred and fifteen teams. Yeah, that's a great point, Vince. You're that,
2: screwing over all the teams. Right. That don't make a cut. If you want to get rid of something, get rid of the conference championship games. Right. And I'd, exactly. I'd be all for that, especially right. now that you can have twelve team playoffs. Right. Play because it doesn't matter who the one team is in the Big in the Big Ten or the exactly. one team is in the SEC. Who had exactly. the best record that can earn the highest seed? Right. And if you want to right. find out who your champ is, then here's a thought: maybe don't give Georgia cupcake schedules every year. Right. You know, like right. make them actually play good teams. So that's what I would do. Is say, if you want to get rid of a game, I think that's I think Vince, you nailed it perfectly. Don't punish right. the, the the less thans because you're trying to protect the postseason for the greater thans. Correct. Get rid of the conference championship games. Because there's gonna be like is there has there ever been a year? looking back since the sec title started that they're the second sec team wouldn't have got into the postseason maybe a couple times like there was a year missouri made it maybe they're not one of the 12 See so your south carolina made it they still might have been part of the 12 sure more but often like, than not more often than the sec not, team is yeah. going to be in there whether they're playing the right. title game or not right more often than not Agreed. even auburn in 2017 that had like two or three losses like <clears throat> you know to me that team that auburn team is probably still in the ncaa tournament right in, in 2017 you no, know, Auburn was a three loss. No, they were a two loss team. They play Georgia and they lose to Georgia. And, you know, Georgia's the two seed. And then Auburn Auburn drops down to number 10, even with three losses. Well, why did Auburn need that? They already beat Georgia once. Right. Why did they have to beat them again? Right. Right? I mean, they're both going to be in the 12-team playoff is my point. So why do you need to play that game again? Because now you've set up a chance where maybe Auburn and Georgia have to play each other for a third freaking time. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? They're both going to go to the playoff anyway. Why are we playing that game? We're playing that game for one reason and one reason only. Money.
1: Money. That's it.
2: The city that the game is played in makes a crap load of money, and the TV makes a crap load of money. That's it. And we get back to the original sin of college football, which is money. Mm -hmm. So if you care about player safety and you're not willing to give up the revenue of a conference title game, then you need to change the eligibility rules for college football players, to allow teams to play more players. Because here's the thing, you're going to have five, six games, you're a great team, you're going to whoop the other team or you're right by the other team, that you can then get these younger players in the game more. You can do more with your special teams. If I don't have to worry about redshirting Drake, Bone, and Jaden Osbury, then I don't have – that's an easy – if they're starters on my special teams, and they're starters on my special teams. I don't have to worry about saving a year of eligibility for them to be linebackers down the road because you've got 5 years. That you see what I'm saying, Vince? And so now that's how you start taking some of the wear and tear off these players. But that would require them to to actually care about the well-being of the players, which they clearly don't. Right. Yeah, because let's be honest, the whole thing about, you know, the thing about uh, the the running clocks, that's not about player safety. They can say that until they're blue in the face. It's about it's, They don't want these games to keep exactly. running over the start time of the next game. Exactly. That's what it's about.
1: It's about it's commercials not. and, and it. fitting it into a time schedule. That's, that's all it. that is. That's they it. can they can frame it any way that they want, but that's not the situation at all. Because if they Sorry. if they
2: truly cared about player safety, they would not be ha- they would not be risking a power five champion or a group of five champion to have to play seventeens
1: to seventeen games to win a national championship. Correct. Just would not do because it. Because they just went to seventeen games in the NFL and we heard we heard the 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 cry about that. But now you're gonna be doing it to the college kids? Come on. Yeah,
2: and they don't get the time off they used to. To your point, they get a couple, you know, two to three weeks off, but not the month off like you do for bowl games now. Right? Exactly.
1: Last question, Vincent. We're gonna get out of here, man. All right, David Lowe says, Vincent Bryan, who y'all's all time favorite Notre Dame player? Just one. I know yours. Who's that? Rocket. Yeah, that's yours. It's, It's tough for me. I'm gonna. Here's what I'll say. When I fell in love with Notre Dame football. It was, it was in that like 92, 93 era, right? So I, And I've been following it ever since. I have had one jersey in my entire existence as a fan. Can I guess? Yeah, go ahead. Well, let me ask. So was it Brady Quinn? It is not. Wow. It was okay. not. Was it Cherry Jackson? Yeah. Nope. Oh, wow. Okay. No, I don't know. Because Brady Quinn, I was like in my twenties, and so okay, like I didn't yeah. really go that route. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This was early on. I had a Rick Meyer, oh, Seattle Seahawks okay. rookie, okay, jersey that I wore rookie until of the year like that year fell apart. Yeah, okay? he was a rookie of the year that year. Yes, he was, and I was a huge fan. Like my dad ended up doing some work for him, so my dad was at his wedding, and so like was he a got good guy. His- his card, oh yeah, I've heard and, he's a really good guy. Yeah, and we have since interviewed him on the pregame show that I was doing a couple of years ago. We mm-hmm. interviewed him; still a great guy. And like, yeah. So Rick Meyer, I think I'm gonna have to go with my all. He seems like a super player. chill
2: dude, man. Yes, like absolutely. he runs like a wine company now. Yep, like, he's in California. He seems like a super it's, chill dude. Yeah, his kids
1: are like lacrosse players, and like yeah. he's just yeah, absolutely hundred yeah. percent. So that's really cool.
2: Yep, I like Rick guy. Meyer. I just. Your intro to Notre Dame football was Rick Meyer era. Mine was Tony yes. Rice era. That's why right. Tony's kind of like if I were to pick my top five, mm-hmm. it'd be like it'd be like um Ricky Waters. I mean, excuse me, uh Rocket Ismail, Tony Rice, uh, you know, Brady Quinn. Yeah, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like I don't have any from the current era that I've covered the team. It just seems weird. That seems you weird know? to me, too. Yeah, like, it's the yeah. guys that I fell in love with when I was Yeah, when I was still a fan. That, or when that I, I was a fan. That
1: yeah. I idolized, you know? So it'd yeah. be like Bettis.
2: Because I was, like, still be... in my 20s when Brady played at Notre Dame. So it's right. young enough to still be, like, that kind of fan. You sure. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, Bettis, to me, was not one of mine because of just, like, I, I, on that team, I just I really liked R- um, Reggie Brooks from okay. the team. Like, I love the way Reggie ran, and Rick Meyer was a really good player. So I'm trying to think, man, like, um, you know, Todd Light, that's another one, right? Okay. He's in my top five of, sure. of the guys I was a, a fan of. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's four of them. I might have to think about some others. I don't think <laughs> about who my fifth one was. I really liked Michael Stonebreaker because he had an awesome okay. name and a great yeah. name. I really liked Demetrius DeBose. He was a guy that I liked a lot. Kevin McDougal was a guy that I I mean, I was partial to quarterbacks, right? You know, so Makes I'd probably sense. go Tony Rice, Brady Quinn, Rick Meyer, you know, cause I liked Rick Meyer. I mean, you know, uh, Rocket Ismail and and Todd light probably my, that's probably my five.
1: I, I would throw for me, I would, I would throw Bettis in there for me. I would throw, uh, Samarja in for me, uh, because he was that dual baseball yeah. football. Like I really dug that. Yeah. That's why probably golden Tate is probably up there for me because he did both. Um, so, yeah, he I mean,
2: about Samarja where I liked him, but I just couldn't love him. I, I don't know.
1: Like, I get it. I don't know what it was, man. It just, dude, he had kind of a cockiness that I appreciate. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I, I, I kind I of dug it, man. Like,
2: yeah, I don't like it.
1: <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's from the region, him. man. Like you got to have a little cockiness coming out of the region. Like I, you know, it is what it is. But he was uh, really good though. Yeah. he's a Really yeah. good player. For sure. I was so. watching the Michigan state game the other day and I forgot about that. That slant route.
2: He caught, I think it was fourth down. If I remember correctly, that's a fourth it down. Sounds play. right. You know, that in the,
1: in the rain, we caught yeah. that.
2: I think it was fourth down. Caught that slant, stopped on his wet f- turf field, and then Cubs back outside. That was and that uh, was that old
1: school turf field, yeah, like the man. the crap turf field. Yep. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking yep. about.
2: You know what I did not know until uh, was it 20? What was the little Giants year? Was that ten 2010?
1: I think so, yeah. So
2: I covered that game in 2010. You know what I did not know that they actually have a grass field now. Well, they went back to grass, did they? Yeah. I did I mean I still thought it was like I thought it was like field turf. Sure, yeah, right. But it, it
1: was actual grass. Okay. And I, I did not so I they used to have that old like the cement uh, with the carpet on top. Oh, like, yeah. That's the turf that they used to have. Oh yeah uh, up there at Michigan State. I'm and yeah, I think you're right. Game, think they, and I'm pretty sure the 06 that. game was uh
2: on the still they saw the turf I believe. So I'm pulling that up now. Right now, Vince, I'm looking at that game. Can't tell. I can't tell if it was still the turf or it was the grass. <laughs> I think it actually yeah, I think it actually might have been the grass. I don't know. Okay. I'm looking at it. I'm I'm really not sure. I, no it had to be turf because nobody was like muddy.
1: Oh sure. Yeah. In yeah. that kind of weather. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I'm not sure. I'm actually not sure. It might have been grass. I'm not sure what that field was in 06. I'm yeah. not sure. I just know that that was a great play by Samarjo, and that that game—it's—I've never seen a game that went so bad early to be so good late. <laughs> you remember the Matt Trannon throwback? You're like, this is going to get ugly. Like, this, <laughs> this is going to be worse than the Michigan game. That's kind of how I sell. Like it's going to be worse than the Michigan. Because remember how early against Michigan they were just smacking them? It was just yes. crushed Notre Dame. Like you knew that wasn't going to be a close game from almost the beginning, mm-hmm. right? And then. Uh, the Michigan State game kind of started off that way. I'm actually going to look at the box score. I mean it was like they were down so I mean they were down. I mean, man oh man. That was that game it was like 38-17 at one point in time and and it, it was uh it was ugly. Now was I'm going to ugly. go back and watch that
1: one. So I
2: watched it the other day. I watched the, well, I watched the second half. I can't watch the <laughs> I still can't watch the first half. That's fair. Yeah, it was uh it was 17 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. Notre Dame scores and then they go back down and score again to make it 24-7. Notre Dame scores again to make it f- 24-14. And then they went down and scored again. it's 31-14 at halftime. Notre Dame scores uh, early in the in the first quarter and make it 31-21. And then Michigan State goes down and scores right back and scores. And it's so it's 37-21 going into the fourth quarter. And and then that's when the that's when it started. That's when Notre Dame made their comeback and started forcing turnover. Like, even, even when they made it 37 27, you're like, they're going to go down and score and it's going to be mm-hmm. over, right? I mean, just you just waiting on them. And then it wasn't until Notre Dame, I think they forced a turnover. I think it was where like they had they forced a fumble. Uh, yeah, it was a force of, I think, Chinnadoom, I think, stripped it, right? You remember that? They were running. Notre Dame had just made it 37-27, and Cheney comes up, and he just rips it out on an off-tackle run to the right. And, you're and like, at first nobody knew what would happen. Like, you didn't know the ball yep. had come out. You didn't see the ball yep. come out on TV. You just – you see him go like this, and then there's, like, this scrum, and then all of a sudden the Notre Dame players are, like, going crazy, running off the field. And you're yep. like, what, what – hold on. What just happened? Yep. What just happened? Yep. And then Notre Dame had a short field, and they went down and scored, like, pretty quickly. I think they recovered at, like, the 24-yard line. And if you remember on that series, because I was watching the other day, Notre Dame actually had went backwards. They had like a 15 yard penalty. And then Brady threw a bomb into the end zone, and Samarja interfered with to give him a first down. Cause like the drive wasn't going well. And then, and then obviously they went down and scored. I was Uh, at that game, Brian. Yeah. He, I think, I think the touchdown was like that. Crazy over the shoulder, mm-hmm. back shoulder to 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 Rayma, I think was the touchdown on that drive. You were at that game in 06. I was.
1: I was in the box, oh, my and my wife and my mother-in-law were in the stands oh, just you. getting poured on. Poured on. And yeah. my father-in-law and myself were in the press box, just like Yeah. <laughs> right? <was> just... Yeah. <laughs> and but that game, like I
2: so I was at my grandma's house watching that game. And when Terrell picked that pass off, man, I was going crazy.
1: Oh my gosh. I was yeah. going nuts. Yeah, it was not a good but way to start that when game. When they scored
2: then... to make it 37-34, I was like, they're gonna win. They're gonna win. Like <laughs> they've got all the momentum now. And sure. at the time, remember, Michigan State was that team that would just collapse. Mm-hmm. They would look real good and then just like fall apart. And you're like, this is like but I didn't feel that way until the Chinned fumble. And I was like, they may actually win this. And then they, like, went backwards. I'm like, ah, frickin' Notre Dame. You get this golden an opportunity. And then when the penalty happened, then, of course, they score a couple of – I'm like, they're going to win. When it was yeah. 37-24 with as much time as there was in the game, I was like, dude, they're going to win this game. They're going to win this game. They're going to win. And then the next series, they go
1: out. I'm in pretty sure game. I have the program for that game somewhere over there on my bookshelf because it was the 40th anniversary of the 66 game. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. right.
2: 40. Yeah, yeah, because that yeah. game was also at Michigan State. Yep. Some yep. wild stuff. Pretty yeah, sure I got that program. It, good, go good question, David. So your your number yeah. one was Rick Meyer, minus yeah. Rocket. And if I had, and it's close. Rocket and R- Tony Rice are very close for me. Sure, very close. But Rocket would be my number one. Yeah, he was. He's my number one. And Tony Rice is like it's like one A, one B for me. I get it's you. Oh like, yeah, yeah. But like Brady Quinn is like on that cutoff of the last of the last where I was old enough to like have like a fan oh sure person type of thing and
1: that's that because that's right where i started covering the team and doing the shows with with sean was was the last willingham it was so it was was the fall of four is when i started doing it so like when brady got there and jeff samarja and zibakowski like doing the pregame show like i still felt like i was kind of a fan you know what i mean and so It's just when you get deeper into it, you know, that kind of a thing. So like that was those are the last teams where I was like idolizing guys because they were still kind of my age. You know what I mean? Now they're all just kids. Now they're all kids. It's like I can't idolize a child. Like that's it's well, it's
2: not just that. It's like (laughs) it's more of a professional relationship now when you look at watch the players. Sure. you can absolutely. really appreciate a guy's talent, but it's like, I'm a fan. Like, yeah. it's more about like, man, what a great kid. It's just, oh, absolutely. You just look at him differently yeah. now. You know what I mean? Where um, mm-hmm. it, it's, you still love it and you enjoy it. You're happy for him, oh, but you
1: just don't have that. Absolutely.
2: You know, like, I'm not going to go out in town and rock in a Sam Hartman jersey. Like, right. that, just, that just seems like I got to write articles about him and do breakdowns. and like, right. I got to watch him. It's just, it's hard to do that. Honestly, and right. the way the job is now, you have to look at him differently. I'm still a Notre Dame fan. Absolutely. But it's, it's just you look at players differently. Cause also because remember when I when I was a fan of the Rocket, he was older than I
1: was. Yeah, exactly. Was 10.
2: Exactly. You know, now it's like I'm the fan of a nineteen year old. That just seems kind of weird.
1: Right. And I was eleven when Rick Meyer was the right. quarterback in exactly. Notre name. Like exactly. That's it. Even when Brady
2: was it. playing, I wasn't that <clears> much older than
1: him. I mean I know,
2: was, in two thousand five, I was I was 24. 27. I was 24. He was, he yeah. was in his 20s. Right. He more like a peer. Yes. Now it's like, dude, I'm 45. Like, you right. know,
3: just... Exactly.
1: Yeah. And we have to go to practice, and we have to talk about how good or bad. You have to be objective. Right. Exactly. Yeah, right. And I, you can't really, It's uh, you know. Yeah. So it's more tough. about just
2: evaluating them as players. Right. And then as young men, like, you know, hey, they, that's a guy I would kind of want to have run in my company someday because he's right. you know, just different. It's yep. different. Exactly. But uh, it's all the evolution of a fan.
4: Because, exactly. like,
2: who in their 40s, you know, favorite player is a dude that they're watching now? It's usually not. It's usually <laughs> like some dude right. that you watched when you were a kid, right? I exactly. mean, exactly. Like, no matter how good Notre Dame is next year, a 65 year old fan is still going to say, like, 70 year old fan is going to say Terry Hanratty or Ross Brown right. or something like that, right? right? I mean, it's, it's the guys that they grew of, up idolizing. Right. right. Yeah. When they were younger, you just right. look at them differently than you do now. Correct. So, yeah. Yeah. I didn't think that question was going to take as long as it did to answer. It was a lot of fun. I liked to n- end it with a nostalgia question. That was you good. Know what I mean, that was good. Well, that was a good one. Good job, David. Yeah. Asked two really good questions today. That That's, was good, awesome. man. That's good, man. It's good. They're That's both awesome. positive. They're both positive. Hey, so, good job, my man. Appreciate. That's it. Great.
1: That's right all right get us out of here vince all right man well everybody thanks for hanging with us we have officially crested over the four hour mark and so we're glad you guys were all hanging out with us on a saturday afternoon really appreciate it short mailbag y'all had yesterday man i felt we had to make up for it. (laughs) i knew that was coming too uh i was mentally prepared for that so (laughs) make make sure you hit that like button hit that subscribe button hit that notification bell because you never know when the next show is going to be and uh you got to have that notification bell checked if you want to know so uh Big week coming up. Fall camp starts. We're, we're getting into our pre-fall camp action and then uh, you guys are going to hear everything we have to say about practice that we get to go attend and uh, really looking forward to it. So uh, make sure you stick with us next week because it's going to be a lot of fun uh, over on irishbreakdown.com as well as the YouTube channel, the podcast, all that fun stuff. So for Brian, I'm Vince. Thanks for joining us on the Irish Breakdown podcast and we will see you next time.